Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. Well, it wasn't pretty, but our win was big and it was clever. Fulham victorious at the St Andrews and who else but Fulham's dad of the year, Mitrovic, to earn us three points on Saturday. It certainly wasn't one for the mutuals, with the difference in Birmingham being a solitary 52-minute goal from our boy, who managed to pounce onto a loose ball after Birmingham's popper-on-wristed goalkeeper Lee Camp failed to class one to a delightful delivery from Cyrus Christie. A classic poacher's goal indeed. Fulham ground out the victory to climb to seventh in the table, a very pleasing sight, seeing as the feeling is victories like this will need to become routine if we are to put in a decent challenge for top two. However, let's not start getting carried away as Mitrovic's yellow card in the first 45, his fifth of the season, season ruled out of the derby against QPR after the international break. And Maxine Lamarstrom's injury in the first half leaves us even lighter on fullbacks. So there's plenty to discuss during today's pod. Joining me today, uh, de, da, 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 do, he's our stat man, George Singer. Very good, hello. Send her victorious. It's Fulham's best travelled booze hound, Don Betts. Hello, hello. And the boy wonder that is Joe Sampson. Hello. How are we doing? You're very good. We all good? Yeah, we're good, mate. How was the away day, Don? We're talking about the football, the first half. No, we're not, don't, not interested in the football. Yeah, I want to hear about what St Andrews is like. Yeah, it was, it, was, yeah it, was, it was a solid. It was the first trip to New Street this season, which is quite odd because usually you go there about eight times a season. But right. um, yeah, it was. I think it was actually the first time maybe we've gone from even gone from Euston. So that's a interesting part of the season because usually that's where you'd assume most away games would be from. But yeah, first trip to Euston. I don't mind both because you know the trains are sound and a half. But what was quite funny is that so our train was delayed going up, and if you you can claim back half your advance fare on Virgin, it's half hour late. Yeah, and when we checked when we left. Coventry, it was like 28 minutes later. I was like, please be later. Please just delay yourself a bit more so we can claim half our journey back. And it was delayed on the way back as well. So we ended up claiming back half the trip. Did you have a countdown? Like, ooh. Well, yeah, well, because my mate tried claiming and they said, oh, no, it's 29 minutes later. We got a screenshot saying 30 when, when it arrived into Houston. So get half, get half the money back from a trip to Birmingham. Can't complain. That feels like proof enough. Um, and before we continue, Fulhamish are offering a very special competition, a chance to win some tickets to the Derby to QPR after the international break. Sammy's got more information on that right now. Yes, Fulhamish has eight pairs of tickets to give away to next Friday's West London Derby between Fulham and Queen's Park Rangers at Craven Cottage. These are home tickets for home supporters only and it is super simple to enter. Just go to fulhamish.co.uk and follow the links to enter the competition. We just need a few details. There is one little catch though. There is a question on there which doesn't actually have the question. All you can see are three possible answers and you need to listen to this podcast in order to get the question. It's super simple. If you're a Fulham fan, you should know the answer. The question is, who is Fulham's top scorer this season? Who is Fulham's top scorer this season is the question. And you can fill in the answer in the form. Do that and you'll be in with a chance of winning one of eight pairs of tickets to next Friday's West London Derby between Fulham and Queen's Park Rangers at the Cottage. Good luck. Winners will be notified on Thursday. Cool. So I guess we'll kick things off with some three-word reviews. I'm going to do the honours. Mitro's Midland Mastery. That's from our very own Cam. Peaky Blinding Results. That's from We Won It One Time. Credit to Christie, Fulhamato. Squeaky Bum Time by Sam Witches. Mitro's Moisty Miracle by FFC Cavalier. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure about that one. 
Camp's Leaky Blinder. I quite enjoyed that one. Jake Wigloss. Marry Me Mitro by Rob Smith. We Have Bottle from the Magic Mod. Parker Out Crew Silenced by John Schaffer. Now that's, I'm going to let that one slide because technically it's four, but it is a hashtag. So we'll let that one go, I think. Uh, More Like It from Pure Power. I quite like that one. It's More Like It. Mitro Bullies Blues, Chris Jetta. Mitro's Das Shiznit by Carlinio. Uh, I think that was following on from Fulham's questionable Snoop Dogg themed uh, tweet over the weekend. Well Played Cyrus uh, by Brendan McGowan and Travelling Fans Rewarded by Justin A. Saunders. So obviously we came out with a win. How would you feel things change moving forward from the whole defeat, Dom? What did Fulham do differently for this match that earned us three points, do you think, overall? I'm not sure if it's anything we did. I, I just thought Hull looked well witnesses wasn't completely targeted that and Birmingham didn't do that. But he spoke on the X Pod last week to Deli Adebola and he was saying he expected, you know, Colin and Montgomery to really target a left hand side. And I don't think they really did. I think like that first half was dull. Like stone cold boring. I think that's what everyone was saying at down at half time. Like it wasn't bad, it was just really boring and you know when you, when you come out of the game with the three points then you kind of have to take that because you know there have been so many times this season we've looked promising away from home and haven't got the results that we've needed so I think all in all you've got to look at if we're looking at the actual football that was played it, w- it was quite a turgid affair but you know we got the goal that was needed Mitrovic sort of had their number from, from minute one really he was on the wind up from, from pretty much the beginning but that's what you sort of need your striker to do and obviously unfortunately he did get that yellow card which rules him out the QPR game as you mentioned but yeah, I mean, it wasn't an ex- it wasn't a riveting game of football, but you know, again, it's all all about the three points, and that's what we got. Fantastic. And do you think it was a case of nothing much changed? Just it was our day on Saturday, rather than things went more our way. Or do you think that there was a tactical um, switch that made things? Right, going off favour. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt like a pretty close game, to be honest. Um, like Dom said, it was a really dull watch. Not a not a one for the neutral at all. Um, I guess there's probably two ways you could look at it. Either kind of, you know, glass half full way. It's a close game, but we came came away with the three points, and that's you know that's normally the the sign of a team who's who's going to end up doing well. But also, we have to create more chances. I think if you look at the expected goals number, it was about one xG each. Like it was a close game. If you look at the shots and where they came from, um, it was it was purely won by a big Serbian up front who took the game by the scruff of the neck. So, whilst it's it's great walking away from this, and obviously we all enjoy the three points. I think we're going to need to do a lot better in the future if we want to keep this up. Okay, yeah, interesting points there. If you are Scott Parker, Joe, and you're going into this international break, what are the main things that you think we're going to be working on if we're going to really push on from where we are at the moment? It's got to be dealing with teams that have a low block, I think, because I think Birmingham sort of played into our hands a bit where they've started to play a bit more um, fluid style of football under their new manager. And... um, even though it wasn't a great game, as you both said, on um, Saturday, it reminded me a bit of the Sheffield Wednesday match where not too much happened, but we failed to see it out. So now that we've got that foundation, we've got that 1-0 away win, I believe Birmingham are the highest-ranked team in terms of the table that we've beaten so far. So it's a step forward. Now we just have to work out how we're going to start beating teams convincingly rather than just scraping through. Fantastic. So... Rodak back in after his suspension, Dom. And then you've said on the podcast before, keepers always look better when they're not playing. So now we've had a couple of chances. We've seen Rodak in that number one jersey. Is he, he's not number one jersey, is he? Anyway, it doesn't matter. He's, he's, he's in between the sticks. Are you impressed with what you've seen so far? 
Yeah, like I, I've never said that I, I'm against Rolex starting with Fulham. I have no issue with that whatsoever. I just don't think it's too much of an upgrade on Marcus Bettinelli. I think he did put in a very good performance. He's probably one of our better players. I mean, there wasn't really too many to choose from apart from probably Mitrovic, maybe Harrison Reed, like always. And then obviously made that save towards the end, which we couldn't really tell from the away end whether he hit the crossbar or he got saved. But he looked very commanding, which sometimes Fulham goalkeepers have been criticised of in the past. I'm thinking of David Button. He wasn't commanding his box, but you can see that Rodak was... And I think that what's good is him and Bettinelli, as with most goalkeepers, is they're not, although, although they are kind of rivals, they always want to push each other on more, which is, which is really nice to see. And it'd have been weird if he didn't come back in because obviously he played the two games previous and then if then he got a red card and then Bettinelli starting again, it wouldn't really make sense. So I was expecting him to come straight back in. And yeah, I, I, like, I'm not against Rona, but I'm, I've always been of the of the sort of point that he's not that much better than Betts, so why why change it? But yeah, there's no reason why no, he wouldn't he shouldn't be our goalkeeper going forward. Good stuff. So from one end of the pitch to the other, do you feel other than I mean I was watching the game and other than the Bobby Reed chance where he just didn't quite get on the end of that Mitrovic through ball, I don't feel like we really challenged their goalkeeper enough. Is the lack of chances starting to get a bit concerning? Yeah, I mean, maybe the Abu Kamara running oh, through Leighton and hitting the post. Um, but that aside, you're right. I mean, again, not a huge amount of, of chances. Um, yeah, I think there was maybe one from long distance that sort of went kind of towards the goal. But apart from that, it was all about getting Mitrovic the ball, him holding it up and sort of ending, slowing and ending the game out that way. But he said you had the Kamara chance, which I don't think he does that badly with. I think people, from going... At the ground, it looked quite bad. It looked like he... It, it, you couldn't tell that Camp had saved it. It looked like he sort of just... Or did Camp get a get out on it? Yeah, he got, he got a, t- a slight touch on it, which then made it go onto the post. But yeah, live, it looked like he just hit the post. And I th- But, you know, to be fair, I thought Kamara looked actually OK when he came on the pitch. I thought he ought not changed the game. I wouldn't ever say that, though. But he, you know, he gave us something different by sort of just, just something a bit more direct because there was no one really running off Mitrovic. It was sort of quite... Passive in the midfield, the wide players weren't. He's not actually giving him the correct support that he needed. So Kamara did provide something different. You know, when he first came on, I remember him running down would have been the right hand side, and what he channel. went to cut back and just fell over. But <laughs> you know, it was a great run to get into position that he did. So I think that yeah, Kamara. He, I don't want to yeah, so he didn't change the game, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he played against QPR. I don't think he will. I think he'll go Bobby Reid up up top with you know Cav and Knockers either side of him, but. Yeah, I think it, there wasn't too many chances, but it's just it's just one of those games. I mean, if you if you look at you spoke about Sheffield Wednesday this season, you think about Sheffield Wednesday when we went up in seventeen eighteen, we only won that one nil, and that was a, a later goal from Mitrovic. But I think that is yeah, these wins are what we need. Yes, it's not exactly the most riveting watch to see when you're there, and it's quite turgid. But if you are going to challenge at the top, it is important to get these away wins. And as you said, like it's time for us to start getting those convincing wins, but also it's time for us to start beating the teams in and around us. Mm. And it, it was a breath of fresh air for me to see Fulham actually grind out a victory. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time? It, I mean, it has happened in recent times, but it, it doesn't happen too often. And I feel like if we are going to push well, Especially on, at a ground we haven't necessarily been good at in a while. We haven't won there since the first season we came down on the Kit Simons when Roddy Ager scored, which obviously was his first win as manager. So, you know, you've got the Ryan Fredericks red card, which... And then you've also obviously got when our beaten run ended in 17-18, which when we could have gone up automatically on that day. And I think, was it Rowan Ince maybe in a 1-1 draw, I want to say? Um, yeah, we were fighting to sort of yeah, stay up, just trying to, to stay up yeah, in 15-16. So, yeah, we haven't had a good record there recently. We sort of did in our Premier League years, but not recently. So, yeah, it was a, good, a great result to get. And 
I do think, as Joe said, Birmingham kind of did play into our hands. I didn't think, I thought they would have caused us a lot more problems than they did, considering that, you know, people have sort of not bigging up their right hand side of Colin and Montgomery, but that, you know, I was expecting them to target our left hand side, especially when, you know, the uh, Marshall now end up getting injured. Yeah, I, I think that's where we probably got to give Reeman more some credit. I think they had a really, really good game. And there were so many times where Reem came across and, uh, and won tackles down the channels and, you know, stopped really great chances for them, especially when your fullbacks keep changing, you know, every 20 minutes from injury or whatever. I think we've got to, got to sit back and, and praise them for a great performance. I thought, you know, it was it's not easy playing against two decent strikers that they have in Jukovic and I can't remember who's the other striker they've got. Um, the, both in both in great form and they dealt with them so well you know, I genuinely think we've probably got the best centre-back partnership in the league at the moment Oh, interesting point and another defender I think that we uh, should mention is Cyrus Christie coming off coming on should I say for Maxine Lamarchon all round very good display what did you think Jay? Yeah I thought he looked really comfortable and I think almost what we've been missing on the right hand side this season because when um We've been playing so far this season. I think it's clear to see that Parker doesn't like to play as Slavisa did with um, fullbacks that are far forward and overlapping runs. But um, I think that Christie provided a different option on the right-hand side. It was nice to see across, albeit it was a goalkeeping mistake, across actually caused problems in the box. Um, and if you keep floating balls like that to Mitrovic, he is going to cause problems. So I'm, I'm really happy that finally it seems that as long as it's not a one-game wonder, we've got someone that is putting those balls in dangerous areas. Mm. I mean, it's, it wasn't something that has always been the strongest part of his game. However, I thought it was fantastic to see because, you know, it takes a bit of stick from time to time, him putting a really solid performance, that final ball that he's sort of been lacking and, yeah, really, really trouble their keeper and their defence. So do you think that we play him next game, Dom? It's a weird one because it's just interesting to see what happened with Steven Sessegnon. He wasn't even in the matchday squad. Mm. And, you know, he was, it wasn't lauded like the next big thing, but he's come, he came in at the Huddersfield game and thought, okay, you know, I've got a right back sort of the rest of the season. And considering we had one fullback injured and he wasn't even in the match day squad was quite an odd thing to see. But obviously, Silas Chris came in and, you know, because I was expecting, you know, a doy to switch over to the left and then either Christie or Stephen Session would slot into the right hand side. And that didn't happen, which is quite odd. There was obviously, the, there were the rumours last week that he could be off to Spurs. Yeah, no, I was going is, is that is that is that a part is that a part to play you know you'd obviously rather not be playing for Tottenham and not playing for Fulham so and then and obviously there's the thing that everyone knows that the house at the club bought and has been up for rent for months now but that's we assume that was just because of the Ryan Session deal so who knows but I think that yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next game because as you say Cyrus Christie was good but I think you've also got to argue that Birmingham allowed him to play like that I think that's something you've got to look at that he wasn't really getting too much pressure down his side. So, yes, he put in a good ball, which Lee Camp then dropped as Guy Barlow family called him last week, pop it on hands, <laughs> uh, pop it on wrist, wherever it was. Yeah, but, um, fantastic. I think that, it, it, it's, yes, he did well, but he didn't get sort of anything. I think we got, got challenged too much. So I think, you know, if you, are, if you are playing QPR, who, you know, had for some reason had a good start to the season for the first time in about 20 years, um, <laughs> You know they're going to cause him a lot more trouble. So may, maybe because, but I'm I'm not entirely convinced. Like I, I still would like to see Steven Session come in, and just because I just think he's a bit more defensively aware. Yeah, I I think that's probably a fair point, and I, I think a lot of it's got to come down to Cyrus's confidence. He's you know his confidence is absolutely broken, and this is probably you know the exact kind of game he wanted. Came on against a tiring uh, Birmingham attack, like you said, had a bit of space, and you know I'm sure he's he's on social media. He's read some of the 
you know, finally some of the nice words that the Fulham fans are, are saying to him. So hopefully that will help. Um, but from a personnel point of view, I think he's, I think like, like Joe said, he's probably one of the, the exact kind of players we need at the moment. So I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm starting to get really frustrated by seeing uh, our play from the back seems to be really great. I think um, uh, Mawson, Ream and Reed are tying up really nicely and building really well from the back. So we get kind of good possession from deep. They pick their head up and you've just got, you know, all of our forward players seem to be just kind of standing there waiting to receive the ball. I think especially guys like Knockart, who if he, you know, misses a few dribbles or or gets a bit frustrated, I don't necessarily see him kind of coming deep and then making those forward runs. And I think that's where Christie came on and Abu came on as well and actually made some forward runs, ran down the channel and gave our players, you know, a bit of an outlet. Because I think if we play someone like someone like Sessegnon, who's, you know, maybe a bit more reserved in attack, maybe we'll just kind of tuck into midfield a bit more. Is he the kind of guy who can make driving runs and create a bit of havoc for the opposition? I'm not quite sure. Excellent. I'm going to chuck out a controversial question here. Do you think we missed Kearney in that performance? It's, it's I, No, in the way, but I don't think we were set up in the same way as if we had Tom Kearney on the pitch. I think our midfield was more of a three than a, instead of then a two than a one, if that makes sense. So, no, in a way, but we weren't playing the same system, so I don't think you can really... And we weren't playing in the same way. We were playing a lot more direct. We were getting the ball to Mitrovic, and I think... Kenny will come straight back inside. Obviously, he's captain, but I think that maybe you can see something that maybe we need to we need to be more direct to Mitrovic instead of trying to play it through the park mm. passively, and then eventually Mitrovic gets the ball. Because when we have played passively, Mitrovic hasn't had the chances because he hasn't got the ball. And maybe it is a point of maybe Kenny needs to be on Mitrovic, so the ball comes into him, he can hold it up and play off Kenny, and then Kenny can work his magic from there. So I don't, yes, I don't think we missed him as such, but I also think that. We did, we did need his creative spark at some points as well. I see. I mean, it, it, I suppose it is a, a relief to know that we can fare without him if we have a slight um, tactic, a rearrange. Uh, and it's, it's good to see that sort of Parker's thinking about these sort of things because, I mean, I have to say we're out without uh, Alexander Mitrovic for the QPR game. So it'll be really interesting to see what we do there moving forward. Uh, we'll come on to a bit of a preview for the QPR game. And uh, thanks very much, chaps, for your points on the uh, on the football. I want to hear what St Andrews is like as a stadium. I've never been. It's always intrigued me. Is it a nice ground? Yeah, I... I, I How many like, times have you been, Dom? I've... Seven? No, I haven't actually been that many times. I've only been maybe four. Right. Four times, maybe? I imagine it's not like a like a nice proper old traditional yeah, stadium yeah it's it's, it's, um, it's you're not going to a soulless plastic dome like mm. Reading Derby Middlesbrough Cardiff so it's got a bit of character to it um, it is fairly weird because when you enter the away and obviously you go down but then you sort of have to go up the stairs into the concourse area which you know and the biggest problem is didn't take card oh no luckily I, I, I had a fiver left on me from the night before when I went to the kebab shop I think so um, I, I was fine I was able to get a beer at half time but yeah loads of people complaining it was like I mean it, what, what sort of third world country doesn't wasn't he said contactless payments like um, it always makes me laugh I feel like most crowds now they, they do it out of just a, a sheer stubbornness to move into the sort of like 2019 they're like no this is, we're not we're not moving in well, with you're lucky at Fulham if you can pay with cash yeah. I think nearly everywhere's uh, card only well it does make things a lot quicker because you can just tap 
job done, mm. next person. Love Although they still they, Fulham need to work out how to pour a pint first. But um, <laughs> but no, yeah, no. The, the severe lack of a car payment is very frustrating for a lot of people. But luckily, I had a fiver in my pocket, so I was able to get a beer. Happy days, happy days. Right, so we'll be back with some listeners' questions and a QPR preview after this. Fulhamish has partnered with theterracestore.com who have a great range of official Fulham merchandise with a retro twist. Some amazing products with throwbacks to some of the iconic Fulham kits of yesteryear. Right now, Fulhamish listeners can get 10% off. Just use the code Fulhamish when you check out. Uh, They've got some great presents, particularly with Christmas around the corner. So make sure you use the code Fulhamish for 10% off. That's at theterracestore.com. If you enjoy Fulhamish and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please consider giving us a positive rating and review. It really helps us to reach new Fulham fans across the world. If you don't use Apple but want to give us a review, head to the Fulhamish Facebook page and give us a rating there instead. Thank you. Right, we're back. We're Fulhamish. We're going to do your questions. I'm going to throw it to Dom. So what are the listeners wanting to hear? So I'll start off with Ibs, who was like, what on earth Ibs. does Onoma offer us? Every time Steph, Joe, Cab, Bobby, Abu were carrying the ball, Corsi lost 20 minutes in feeding Mitrovic, winning free kicks taken to the corner. Josh was happy losing the ball in the middle and allowing opponents back in. Absolutely woeful. This isn't the first time he's done this against against Stoke, where he started. He was just as clueless and losing the ball three or four times in the first 15 minutes. Can someone address this as he looks like a League One player at best? I would have to agree. I don't understand what he brings to the team and it seems to be that shared feeling of whenever he gets brought on of like what why like, oh just 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 a collective sigh like onoma obviously he been released by tottenham so they didn't see that he had a future at the club which i think is the first alarm bells and then the fact that he's he's had a little while now and he's had some performances and he still hasn't settled in i feel like he hasn't found his place in the squad his role in the squad and i would argue that we don't need him i would much rather see the likes of Reed, you're handsome, you know. Well, I've, if I start off with this, you couldn't, you can't tell me what kind of midfielder he is. Part of me loses the ball. Is he box to box? Would you call him a box to box? So the best. So I mean, I've I've struggled to answer that myself. The best thing I've got is if we look at basically his numbers from the last time where he actually played a fair bit, which back in the Villa season when they played us in the uh, in the playoff final, um, and you look at his numbers there and see the kind of player he is the bigger numbers that come out are kind of dribbles. He he dribbles a a fair bit from central midfield. Um, He's fairly good at passing and fairly good in the tackle. So with that, I mean, you, I think if he's most similar to any of our players, probably Kearney and probably that kind of number 10 role where he can drive it forward a bit, but he, he just seems well off in terms of confidence and at the moment well off in quality and when he came in it it did just seem like well obviously it was it was part of the Cessnion deal wasn't it and it mm. maybe it was that was kind of we were given an option and that was the best of the options but you know certainly from a data point of view I don't think anything particularly stands out you, you know particularly stands out in any way I'm not quite sure why we went after him in the end it kind of feels to me like the uh, the sort of freebie that you get with the magazine, like the CD. It's like an FM where you throw loads of players in, try load a transfer fee, trying to get a player for. Yeah, just like who can I get rid of or I do not need? Who's got supposed potential, but isn't actually that good at football? Mm. And we were just looking at the stat graph there. If we could just get it up quickly, it. Uh, I don't know if you should read anything into this, but it is actually in the shape of a penis. If you look at it, 
Yeah, yeah with, we'll, a, with a swollen right bollock, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Cheers uh, for that analysis, George. <laughs> Sorry, get me in for. We're cutting this, right? We're cutting yeah, this. No, we'll leave it in. Leave it. I'm, do, I'm, doing, I'm doing the edit. Um, right, Dom, next question, please, sir. The next question is from ridiculous underscore Reed. Uh, Kamara, Reed, or Stansfield for QPR? Which striker should we start with Mitrovic missing? Let's start off with this Stansfield chat, right? I know Joe would love to see him in the team, but I would say that I would not throw him in. Yeah, I, it's, 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 it's ridiculous, I think, to say but that. surely he's just going to be Stephen Humphreys part two. Yeah, I mean, I remember Stephen Humphreys came on, um, and I believe it was Derby at home, and he gave the ball away, and I believe Derby either equalised or nearly scored a winner. And after that, I can't remember him playing for us again. I'm not saying that's why, but I think that a it's youth just, player just, that hasn't even played at under 23 level yet, to put him in to the starting 11 right now would be rushed um, I think that he should start playing for the under 23s if that's allowed I believe that he's allowed to move up um, but I, I would personally play Bobby Reed, and then Kamara can be an option off the bench I thought he did well at Birmingham but I don't think he should start no I th- I, but also I think you're losing something by starting him because then you don't have someone like him to bring on if that makes sense like I think yeah as you said Bobby Reed is who I'd expect you know, Park to start because he seems you know have a lot of faith in him. He has he played him through the middle in the cup against Southampton, wasn't it? So obviously we lost that game, so it's not really helpful. But uh, yeah, with him, I'd imagine him up him the mid him up top in the middle with you know Caviero out out wide as well as Knockart. But I, I, I don't know, like Kamara, I I wasn't fairly impressed with him when he came on as opposed to basically I thought he'd be absolutely useless and do nothing. So, but I do think he is much more of a player I'd like to bring on as opposed to someone I'd like mm. to see to see start. And yeah, as, as I said, Parker's got faith in Bobby Reed, I think. And if Bobby Reed's first goal came against QPR, then that'd be all good. But I still come, I've come to the conclusion that Bobby Reed probably isn't going to score a full goal. <laughs> it's like, do you remember we were just waiting and waiting and waiting for John Alarisa to get his goal? And it just never happened. Is it, he's on loan, isn't he, Bobby Reed? Yeah, Bobby yeah, Reed's on. Yeah. I believe I'll, it's I'll an obligation to buy, though, rather than an option on that one. <laughs> Because, I've never heard of that. Before. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that must have been to do with the um, Cessnion deal as well, right. because all the reports are saying, "Oh, he's signing for this much. He's signing for this much. He's confirmed." Cardiff don't refer to him as their player anymore, and then season-long loan with option to buy. I think that must be an obligation to buy. Is that is there it such is a thing? thing. Yeah, yeah. Obligation you can do, you can do it in football manager because I try getting Thomas Party on loan for Sausibad and it's an obligation to buy. I, like, I don't want to buy him. Let's need him to sort an injury crisis out. So does that mean that the um, the the parent club has uh, the right for repercussions if you don't buy. I would like to find out. And what on earth does that mean? I, d- I don't really know because we've got a few weird deals, haven't we? Because there yeah, are reports that the one was an, I, an obligation I, if we go up. Yeah, I think Cav, Knockar, and Arta are obligations to buy if we get promoted. But I don't think we have to buy him if we stay in the championship. Whereas I believe Bobby Reed would we'd be buying anyway. Right, I see all sorts of uh, shady negotiations going on here. Blimey! Right, uh, Dom, have we got a, another question, please, sir? We sort of covered it in the last section, but Michael B or MBFFC uh, after a promising return, does Christie deserve to start against QPR? Ooh, well, we sort of covered that um, a little bit in the prelude, but I think he has, especially if we, if Maxine Marshall remains injured, and I mean, Sessignon, as we said, with no idea what's going on with that, but I, 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 see, I don't see why not. I, I think, you know, if, if worst comes to worst, we can, we can take him off. But if he had a, that solid performance, it just will be telling to see whether, as you said, it was a tiring uh, Birmingham 
strike force and he sort of it's a situation in which he would want to come on as a right back but I, I personally would like to play him against QPR I, I don't see what we've got to lose what do you think George? yeah I don't think we've got that many more options we've got really. Session on and that's Berlin that's Marlon Fossey's coming to the fold somehow exactly I think you've got to read into the, the Stephen not even being in the matchday squad like if we were just taking him out of the squad for a game or something like that just to give him a bit of breathing space and get his head back in gear then fine but the fact that we haven't seen him since he got dropped against was it Forrest or I can't remember at home he got dropped quite early he got subbed off quite early on was it Charlton there you go Um, we haven't seen him since then it it stinks of something else happening and there's no one else we've got and it, it just shows you know we take this and we take the Mitrovic conversation earlier I think it really shows that we're we're really badly lacking in, in quality and depth in some of these positions. It's weird because we went into the season thinking we had depth and it's come into the season and it's been like, well, we don't because, well, no, we had depth. We just didn't have any quality. Yeah. <laughs> I think these are the two positions we're most worried about getting Joe Bryan or Mitrovic injured. And well, now I've, we're going to have to see them both. so gone. long that we, what would happen if Joe Bryan got injured because we didn't have another left back ready there. Yes, you can move a doy to the left and put Steven Sess or Christie at right back, but that's always been a problem. That's, all, that's always been a why I think Joe Bryan hasn't pushed on, or he has impressed uh, in certain stages, but I think because he doesn't have a person pushing him all the way, whereas in the right back position there has been people pushing, that's why I think he hasn't been up to his best and why he's made some mistakes this season because I'm not saying he knows he can make a mistake and he's not going to get dropped, but he pretty much can. But I, I, again, I, I'd rather see Sessegnon play just because I, I think he deserves deserves a chance. I think Christie's had his chance and I'd like to see Sessegnon give him more of a go with a Doyle on the left-hand side. But with him not being even in the matchday squad and the rumours linking him with a move to Spurs to link up with Ryan in January, I'd ex- probably expect Christie to play. Okay, okay. And do we have an estimated date as to when Joe Bryan's back? I haven't seen anything. We've not seen no, I haven't, I haven't read anything, so... I oh, thought, just, I, I thought initially it could be QPR, but I don't know if that's true. Okay, we'll see. One more question, please, Dom. Yeah, the last one is from David Manning at Roth Ream. Is it time to bring back the hugely effective Stephanie Hansen false nine against QPR? Ooh, <laughs> that's bringing back good memories, that question. <laughs> I just, that just that makes me think of Sunderland away, and that might have been just one of the most boring and terrible days. Was like that the 1-0 loss yeah, in, in the bleak no. midwinter? Was that but, Rui Font on the wing? Yeah, Rui Font yeah. out wide with Johansson through. This is when me and Jack Collins thought, is Slav trying to get himself sacked? Right. Because this makes absolutely zero sense. I understand playing a false nine, but playing someone like Stephanie Johansson there and when you've got a natural striker playing out wide, it just made absolutely zero sense. So, you know, to be fair, I think Johansson's probably been one of our better players this season, if anything. Um, well, he definitely was on Saturday anyway. I'd argue after Mitrovic, he probably was the best player. So, no, we're not going to bring him back. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think Johansson has got a big part to play. And I, 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 don't know if he's, I don't think he's underrated by fans. I just think at, in, at, at times, the work he does in that midfield is underappreciated. Mm. Because on... We wouldn't have won on Saturday. We didn't have Johansson in that midfield for me. You, when you compare, you, you know, when you have Josh Onma playing and you see what he offers, then it's yeah, it's Johansson definitely will be a key player in GPL. But there's no chance he's gonna be back in that false nine position. I'm just going back to that um, that Sunderland game. That was the first time that they won at home in over a year, wasn't it? 
I remember it was in. The, it was just. It was. Was it just before December? Was it late November? Or no, was it, it was. Christmas? No, it was. It was like 16th, 17th of December. Oh, it was right the in the last home game in, was, of the year. And I, I believe we released a player that scored as well a few years ago. I think it was. Was it Josh Madger? Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I think we released him. <laughs> it's always just to make it even worse. It's always a kick in the teeth, that isn't it? But it was like blistering cold, like in the northeast. Like I lived there for three years. In, in that time of year, you've never known cold like it. It's Baltic. And then we went to the uh, the Sunderland Greyhound races afterwards to try and uh, sort of drown our sorrows in. It was just all right. It was a quality trip, but... Yeah, Sunderland's always a good trip, but the, that, uh, that game, that like three and a half hour train back, thankfully it was direct because if I had to change it like Darlington or North Allerton, <laughs> it would not have been a good day. Uh, thankfully it's that Grand Central train which I put on for the London supporters of Sunderland to be able to get back. So yeah, <laughs> appreciate that. However, like every cloud, that was the, you know, it was always darkest before the dawn. We went on to do 23 games on the yeah, field. I still had to witness going up, just lose to Sunderland. <laughs> True, true, true. Anyway, so let's let's look forward uh, to uh, after the international break. Oh, by the way, Tommy, you're excited. You, I thought you uh, you seem rather chipper today. I've realised international it's break. International <laughs> breaks coming. Well, no, up. actually, no. It's not the international break. The domestic break is now finished. Right. Okay. <laughs> the real football is back. Are you looking forward to uh, to see trip? Talk talk us through it. Well, so t- tomorrow, which is Tuesday for me, fly out to Macedonia. Four days in Macedonia. Oh, lovely. Then get a bus into Pristina for England versus Kosovo on a Sunday afternoon. Then back to Tirana in Albania for a night. And then fly back to London on the following Tuesday, I think 19th. So, uh, yeah, uh, ain't no break like an international break, as they say. As they say, as they say. So, right, going back to the more important matters, which is uh, obviously Fulham. So yeah. we're, <laughs> we uh, obviously have got QPR. It's, it's m- personally my favourite uh, fixture, the QPR home and away fixtures. They're, for me, there's not a single derby. I mean, Fulham have a few, you know. We've got a few West London teams talking about. We've got Chelsea, Brentford. But QPR for me is the one that really hits home and the one that I really want to win. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the reaction from the fans. I feel, I feel like it's the one that both sets of fans care about most. Would you agree? Because with, with Brentford... Well, no, yeah, I, think, I think both teams despise Chelsea and that's what well, that's common sense really but mm. um, I feel like with this one there is that I understand we've pro- we've obviously understand achieved a lot more than they have in the last 10-15 years but you know I think it's when everyone feels they're sort of on the most level playing field yeah. that makes sense like it's not such a step up to Chelsea or step, such a look down to Brentford I think it's sort of not quite level I think we obviously have done better recently but yeah I think that this is one when it, both, both, sets, both sets fans really want to win and you know we've in recent years we've definitely got the better of them in this picture mm. yeah and also I think you've got the added uh, serrated edge of the old Mark Hughes debacle when he left us famously said that uh, he said that we lacked ambition lacked ambition yeah, yeah. oh mate, it's so sweet and then they went to go I absolutely love this fixture it's fantastic so I just wanted to ask you guys what was your favourite uh, QPR game in, in recent times one that really sticks out I mean, I'm tempted to say the one where we went up, uh, the 2-1 win, because yep. that was just just great scenes at the bottom. I was in the front row. I think it was next to Jack Collins. I got crushed. Um, <laughs> By Jack Collins? Well, we'll, we'll never know. There, 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 was, there was a few people involved, but um, my favourite memory has to be the 3-1 win a couple of seasons before that. When we were absolute pony. We were absolutely awful. Ma- Michael Maddle debut, absolute masterclass. Um, and I think the first goal, I ended up on the floor my dad was punched in the face and injured for a good week. Um, and this was on the top tier. It was, the tickets sold out before we could get them in the bottom tier. And um, I think this might be completely off, but I believe Ryan Tunnicliffe may have been in the away end. Right. Excellent. Good stuff. Because I, I, I wasn't there for that one. I was too busy living up in, in East Asia. But I remember going absolutely mental, being one of... 
So that was the only fun of it, but a lot of my mates at uh, Hong Kong Uni at the time were just watching it with me because it was like, we've been like eight hours ahead. So and it was mm. an early kickoff, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it would have been like eight in the evening for us. So it was like a good pre-drinks thing going absolutely mental when we just, we're just giving the absolute pipe with like Ross McCormack, Dembele and Kearney. One that sticks out from, obviously everyone talking home-wise, you got the 6-0, yeah. which everyone will obviously remember because it was the first time we played them in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one that sticks out for me is the 1-0 win when, we, when Yol got over Mark Hughes because Andy Johnson's offside goal I stand by was celebrated more than Pogrebniak's goal. Yeah. Right. I'm pretty sure someone broke their hand in celebrating Andy Johnson's <laughs> offside goal. And I think I was in the upper tier field. I think it was right at the back on the far, if you're looking at the stand, the far left-hand yeah. side. I, I, I think that was because, yeah, that would have been, what year would have been? Maybe 2011, 2012? I think 11, 12, yeah. Yeah, so, and this, like, this is when we were just still terrible away from home. So it's the first time I'd seen an away win in a very long time. So, yeah, it was, I was just delighted. So I'd probably do that one just just because also, you know, Dembele's back kill for the goal was ludicrous. Obviously, Dia Kaite got a red card because he was just chopping our players left, right and centre. That one is what sticks out the most for me. But yeah, home-wise, I think you're going to go to 6-0 just because it was the first time we played them in absolutely ages and we just gave them the absolute pile. I remember it was on the 27th of September. It was a glorious sunny day. It was the day after my 17th birthday. It was just perfect. And I remember each... Because I sat sit at the back of the Hammersmith end and each goal... I was I'd run down right to the just behind where the goal was, and the, I got picked up by the commentator on Five Live or something. It was just like oh, it's this young lad who keeps running down from the back. <laughs> so yeah, I remember that. Very fond memories indeed. It was a Andy Johnson hat trick, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Mm. Or Paddy Kenny masterclass, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to say it was. <laughs> How about you, George? What's your? I mean, there's so many to pick from. I think you know, obviously, mine goes to six nil early. Um, I think uh, I think the two nil two one win at Loftus Road. Um, on our, our playoff winning season. I think that's got to be up there. Just I love the moment of, although us missing the penalty was obviously a, a bit of a shame and Rui Font absolutely blasting over the fans who I was right next to the uh, some of the home fans who are giving it to us for, for missing that penalty and for Steffi Hansen to slot it home To be fair, five, ten minutes I afterwards. thought when Matt Smith came on that was screaming, Matt Smith last minute equaliser. There's nearly a Alex Smithy's last minute equaliser <laughs> I seem to remember. He went, yeah, went forward. Yeah. Yeah. It was like 10 minutes of added time or something crazy, weren't there? Yeah. My, Never ended that. That game. was horrible. That was horrible. But it was a good game though. <laughs> Great game. It's, it always is. Well, more often than not, it is a good game. I mean, a lot of the time derbies can be quite tense affairs and a bit shaky, but I just feel like this one, more often than not, it never really fails to disappoint. It, it always, there's always well, an yeah, interesting there's, there's talking point. There's not really been a turgid affair because the two, you know, there was the one we lost at home, which I don't know how we lost. That was an incredible missed a penalty. Game, by the way. Yeah, Luke missed two penalties. Two open mm, goals as yeah. well. And Hit and the one and one that really was when Tarap was just bull rolling us left, right, and centre. I think <laughs> we got a late consolation from Ladam Petric, I want to say. And yeah, that that was that was quite poor because it was the first time I'd seen QPR beat us, I think. Because um, yeah, it was only like third or fourth time we played them since we got up to the Premier League. So it's their first win of the season as well. I think yeah, it, it was, was Redknapp's first win. Yeah, Redknapp's first win. It was right near Christmas, so that made it even more embarrassing because they still hadn't won at that point. Yeah, it, but yeah, but yeah, for me, Fantastic. the six nil obviously sticks out, and and for me, the one uh, nil uh, Pavel Pogrebniak. Yeah, fantastic. I remember that. Just him jumping straight into <laughs> the away end. He was just. He was a sort of a real. Great celebration oh, etiquette. Yeah. <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. Well, yellow. It was only played about 12 games for us, but it was just an absolute, you know, masterclass of how to be a sort of bolstering centre forward. I, and then I he was went gu- to Reading. And, and was awful. Yeah. I, I was gutted. He got I mean, a lot of money for that, didn't he? Must have done. That's it was it. on big wages. They had a Russian owner at the time. I think he got given big wages and 
sat them out for five years. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way it goes sometimes. It's just the way it goes. But I do think there's something in that. Two quite quirky West London clubs, you know, that we got old old sort of uh, old traditional grounds. I mean, QPR played from a Heinz baked bean tin. It's just, <laughs> and we're very, very similar and always, we always go toe to toe. So very much looking forward to that after the international break. Um, yeah, I think, I think we've just about covered everything, gents. Thank you very much for your time. I'm George Cooper. I've been joined by Don Betts. Hello, hello. George Singer. Thank you. And Joe Samson. Thank you. Uh, yeah, tune in next week and remember that QPR, you can win tickets to that QPR fixture. Uh, Sammy had all the details there. So uh, yeah, best of luck with that. And all you have to do is listen to the pod and tell us the answer. So we'll see you next time. Thanks very much. Coming you white. Laters. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. This spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby! A podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, ACAST, ACAST. 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 ACAST